in the Me Too generation, so I have to be very gentle. You wouldn't have your job if you weren't beautiful. It's very sad. I wouldn't choose to be alone with him. <laughs> this is a journey. Love tweeted Saturday saying, although I wasn't one of his victims, I was eternally banned by CAA for speaking out against Harvey Weinstein. New dimension, new value. For years, men have been getting a whole pizza delivered to them every day, and now women just want half of the pizza, and men are like, what? Why the fuck am I getting half a pizza all of a sudden? There seems to be, seems to be vital signs of people rushing to take offence to catcalling and wolf whistling. Now, the only people who are taking offence to this are extreme feminists. It's a genius thing that the patriarchy have done. They have made gender-based violence a thing that women deal with. And it's not their problem, it's men's problem. Please, uh, would you mind saying that again? One day I saw a guy trying to take a picture of my skirt. I was getting out of a car with bags and a dog. I didn't actually realise until the picture was in the paper. Someone printed this shit. This sort of behaviour, we have to adopt a zero tolerance policy. I think the world's gone mad. Somebody brushed your knee 15 years ago. This is complete nonsense. Now, it's not doing the reputation of Parliament any good. And I can't believe that women are being so wimpish these days. Oh, my God. Feminism is not about females being powerful, it's about redressing a balance and it's about equality. And feminism is a very necessary thing for young men to have. And if you want to know, if you think you're a feminist, let a woman pay for your dinner and see how you feel about that. If you're cool with that, you're a feminist. If you're not, you need to look at yourself. Hello and welcome to Season 2 of Men Behaving Better with me, Jarlath Regan. If you missed Season 1, go back and listen to it. It's the season where we dealt with the Me Too movement from the broader perspective of what it means for men, all men, no matter where you are in the world, no matter how innocent you feel in all of it, what it means and how we should change going forward. Uh, if you're a long-time listener, you'll know that the guests in that series were phenomenal. Deborah Francis-White, Sarah Pascoe, Fern Brady, Simon George, just to name a few. It's something I'm exceptionally proud of and I know you'll enjoy. But if this is your first episode, here's the deal. In this season, we're going to go small. Rather than the broader perspective, we're going to look at the tiny aspects, the micro habits to start with in today's episode. The tiny things that all men do or tend towards that can contribute in the wider sense of things, in the kind of the tip of the iceberg being me too, the stuff that goes underneath that that we might need to chip away at and look at that today. So that's what this episode's all about, breaking habits. It was recorded in front of a packed sugar club in Dublin as part of the Dublin Podcast Festival. My thanks to Aiken Promotions and Headstuff for helping us put this on. And for the night, I wanted to pull together maybe the best dream team of guests that Dublin could provide me with, and I surely got them. Actor, director, presenter Simon Delaney, comedian, writer, activist Tara Flynn, writer Finian Murphy is also on the show. But the person I really wanted to have on, uh, like I did want the others too, but Trish Long was someone I've wanted to have on Irishman Abroad, my other podcast, for a long, long time. The schedule hasn't allowed it. She is truly one of the great Irish businesswomen. And in a previous life, she was the founder of the first ever rape crisis centre outside of Dublin. Not only that, she is, of course, the uh, general manager, vice president of Walt Disney Motion Pictures, which obviously gives her a range of experience and areas to speak upon with authority, having worked with a lot of the people that were implicated in Me Too, including 
Harvey Weinstein. In this episode, as I say, we tackle these bad habits that men are in, and we're all in, and if we're really honest, we know what the bad habits are, and we've often difficulty addressing them. Tara goes into man-interrupting, Simon gets into parenting, and Trish does open up about her experience in the industry, while Finian will give us a fascinating discussion on the obsession with gender of newborns. I think you're going to love it. If you enjoy it, please rate, comment and subscribe or join us on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad for the entire back catalogue of every podcast I've ever made and all uh, near 400 episodes that we've produced. But for now, it's episode one of season two of Men Behaving Better. Enjoy. You are all very welcome to this episode of Men Behaving Better, the first episode in season two. If you remember season one, we started at the top and we worked our way down from the Me Too movement. Literally looking at this, the tip of the iceberg, and now we're moving the other way up. This episode begins with habit breaking and the habits that we understand a lot of men to have that have great difficulty breaking them. So this is kind of at the ground level, right lads? Every fella in the room knows there's shit that you do that annoys women an awful lot. And you say, oh, sure, I'm just being myself, for fuck's sake. Right, that we've all got our own way of explaining our way out of it. But uh, I think tonight we're going to go through them and look at why we can't break them or why there's such difficulty and should we call these things out. Just to give you a few examples of a few that I managed to uh, dig up myself. I mean, we all know about manspreading. We all know about mansplaining. Uh, I'm not sure who, who is aware of man-grubbing. Anyone in the room? Do you know what man-grubbing is? You'll know when I tell you, it's when uh, going to dinner with a woman, a man stares at a woman's plate in the hope that he may get food from it. (laughs) You've been in that situation? Tina can tell you that she's been in that situation with me. Fifteen years ago, she pointed out to me that she was getting indigestion because she was trying to eat her food so fast. Because there was every chance she would lose it if she didn't have it in time. I said it came from uh, growing up in a big family, but it's not an excuse. Uh, Who knows uh, man helping? Anyone aware of man helping that one? Man helping is where a man does a basic household chore and looks for an extravagant amount of praise for doing it. (laughs) Tina gave me an add-on to that, which is in my case, when I man help, I don't just look for the praise. I now institute that is how that chore is to be done from now on. We'll go through a couple while, while we have it. Uh, we've heard of uh, man-couraging. I'm sure every woman in the room is aware of man-couraging, which is, uh, smile, love, couldn't be that fucking bad, right? That's man-couraging. Man-handling, I mean, most fellas regard this as a fact of life, which is the readjusting of one's genitalia in public. Like, how is that still fucking acceptable? That's truly an extraordinary one. Man-solving, I mean, we don't even need to explain that one. And man-apologizing, which is something I think every fella in this room has done at some point, which is this apology. Uh, I'm sorry you were offended by what I said, you precious little flower. Let's introduce our guests and see what habits they've identified to start with or what habits they struggle to, uh, to get rid of. I'm sorry for pointing at you at that moment there, Simon, but I thought I saw you readjusting yourself out of the side of my eye. Let's start with Tara Finn, who is, of course, an actress, writer, an activist, comedian, and the proprietor of the brilliant Taranoia podcast. Give it up for Tara Flynn, everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
Simon Delaney is, of course, national treasurer, jack-of-all-trades, writer, director of uh, documentaries and series, presenter, actor, and much, much more. Will you give it up for Simon Delaney, everybody? Uh, Finian Murphy is a regular contributor to the Irish Times and a research expert, and uh, he is a man who knows a thing or two about human behaviour through his work in marketing. Will you give it up for Finian Murphy, everyone? And we've got Trish Long, the VP of Disney Ireland, who has worked uh, in women's movements since the, I guess, this, the early 80s. S- since the century began. <laughs> Let's give it up for Trish Long, everybody. So if everybody grabs a mic there and goes straight down the barrel like I have, maybe, maybe we'll start with you, Simon. You, you tell you me. Let's terrible. start with you. What is the habit yeah. that you identify in yourself that, or maybe not in yourself, maybe your wife. But I don't think it's, it's one that I identify in myself. It's one that's pointed out to me. Right. Is the way I dress at home. <laughs> okay. It's just the uniform, the shorts, and the slippers, and the socks. Winter, spring, or summer. Okay. And very last night, no matter what the temperature is outside, if I'm not working, I'll be in shorts, <laughs> slippers. I, it's fucking ridiculous. So this has been pointed Last, out to you. It's been pointed out to me for years. And what is the what is the criticism? Well, look at the stadium. Right. Okay. And all, it's that with that thing of what if someone calls the door? And last night, true as I'm sitting here, last night at about eight o'clock, I'm downstairs watching the teddy. Lisa's upstairs, put the baby asleep. The other kids are wandering around breaking the fucking house, and <laughs> and there's a knock at the door. And at 8 o'clock at night, I'm thinking, who the fuck is that now at 8 o'clock at night? And our doorbell doesn't work, so it's a literally a knock, and now it's not. And they, I oh, never answer on the first one. <laughs> but they persisted. And I, and I answered the door to Michal Martin, <laughs> who was canvassing for free. And I'm in my fucking shorts, white socks, and slippers. I look like a fucking caveman. <laughs> and the look in his face, because he went... Ah, he said, he said, and then he said, ah, again. He didn't know where to look. <laughs> he, he said to you, I know your successful he, twin. Yeah, he said yeah. to me. A guy looks just like you. He didn't know where to look, Charlotte. And I just think that's, that's, a, that's a habit I need to change. I don't know whether other men do that or not, but I have a uniform. Well, I do home. think we need to get to that one because I think it encompasses the thing that Emer McLeisett and Sarah Breen cover in the Ashling books, which is Irish men's reluctance to make a fucking effort. Right? And that is That's it, probably yeah. where the criticism yeah, the, comes from. Tara, when I spoke to you about this, you, yeah. you suggested that, well, look, if we're going to talk about habits, we've got to recognise that it's a two-way street. Yeah, I mean, in our house, definitely, I'm the farter and Carl's the folder. So... I, I'll play your little game, Charlotte. I'll play it. I love to play with stereotypes. I think it can be fun and it can inform us on certain things. But I think we're all guilty of, of various habits. But I suppose when you asked me to really reflect on it and I said, OK, we are going to look at gender, gender boundaries here. I think interrupting can, can happen. And I'm definitely an interrupter. Definitely. So it's definitely something I am examining in myself and trying not to do, trying to apologise for. But... It, yeah, trying. <laughs> but it is gas to be, it's like in a writer's, I was in a writer's room recently with loads of women in it. And we were all day going, oh, sorry, I cut you off there. Sorry, now I'll come back to that. Whereas it can be, it's a generalization, but it tends to happen that with more lads in the room, 
they don't even notice that they're cutting in. And across other lads too. Mm. So I'm not saying it's a sexist thing necessarily, but it is definitely a tendency in one of the sexes to go, oh, no, I've got this great idea and I'll lose my spot if I don't say it now. Yeah. And, and that might be true, but apparently the observation of this more women-led room was that we were all day saying, I'm so sorry I cut across you there. <laughs> and we still got the ideas out. I'm just so careful when I come in at the end of this. <laughs> It's just like, shut up. I wanted to say about four things there. Say them. But I was afraid of my life to pick up the microphone. No, but contribution, it's not about not making contributions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because conversation is organic. But you know the way, so if you start to say something there, I'll I'll give you an example. Well, let's talk to... uh, No, you see, if you talk to them, the reason, Jarlath, I'll tell you now why we can't talk to them is because... uh, Look, I, I I know exactly what you mean because I do think that there's... Certainly from the praise that this podcast and other podcasts that I make get is that I don't interrupt people, and that's a conscious decision that I make. But I do think that people, some people understand conversation to, to be me grabbing the baton from you, right? So I think sometimes that the, the man-interrupting that goes on is just lads who are raised in an overly aggressive environment where if I don't jostle this guy off the conversation, I may never get to speak again. But then there's another layer to it, which is they simply hear a squeaky lady voice and go, that is not important. Sure, look, Allow we, me to speak now. That's true. We do go, ee. That's the sound, isn't it? Yeah. That's sometimes what is heard. And that is what they're... That's why I'm bringing this into the conversation. <laughs> Well, again, there's, so there's, there's, there's two kind of realms of issues there with habits that are just about uh, empathy and understanding for others, right? Maybe not everybody wants to look at you in your fucking shorts, right? Uh, but, uh, Trish, let's go to you and what you identify, because obviously... Well, actually, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite similar to what you've been talking about. I was talking to my husband earlier about it and saying, you know, what habit... What habit can you remember really, really annoyed me? And he said, oh, I remember what really used to annoy you. Not about him, by the way, because he's, of course, wonderful and perfect. And he's here. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it was, he said, do you not remember how, when you moved, I used to work for women's co-ops and women's organizations. And when I started working in the arts, it was also run by women, that organization. The Bell Table Arts Center was run by women. So when I moved to Dublin and started working in film, I suddenly found myself, for one of the first times ever, totally often being the only woman in a room or the only woman at a meeting or whatever. And to your point about the talking, I don't even know if it is that there's the sense of um, they're not worth listening to or it's the squeaky voice. I actually think it is that they don't hear and that there's a sense, what I experienced within that uh, setting was that there was a sense of I'm going to talk because I'm at a meeting and sure what else would I do at a meeting but talk? Aren't you here to listen to me? And um, I just found that really, really interesting. And if you asserted yourself, I remember actually at the end of an event that was to plan the centenary of film in Ireland, I was one of only two women there. Uh, There were 50 men because it was called the 52 Club. And uh, the other woman was the daughter of somebody who owned a cinema. And we were all asked, would you like to make a contribution? And I thought, well, I've got to say something. You know, I've earned my place to be here. I'm at the table, I should say. So I made a contribution. And the response was, you know, pretty good. Yes, that's really interesting. Thank you. And a few people talked over. And then a man came up to me at the end and he said, 
I know your type. You're just such a troublemaker. This is exactly what we were worried about, about women getting into senior management in the business. And that really happened, and that happened about, about 18 years ago, 20 Holy years ago. Holy moly. So, so it's, for me, it's about the listening. It's about the not hearing and the assumption that I'm entitled to speak and everybody else should listen to me. I mean, uh, when I talked to Finian about this, you, you kind of uh, had been in the working world and had identified, I can go the path of this man that Trish has just talked about and be this guy who is chest out alpha guy, but there was another path. And it seemed, you said it seemed quite clear to you that I can go that way or I can head this other path. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think you get to a point, particularly males around late 20s, 30s, and if you're successful and you're doing well and you're, you know, you're winning business and you're getting pats on the back and you're getting brought into the right meetings, you can get really arrogant and you can start feeling that kind of confidence, swagger, cockiness and arrogance. And I suppose uh, when I was at that point and I'm, I've had a, a very kind of privileged path to where I am today, but at that stage, and I've spoken to many other lads about this, I could go down that route of pushing other people down, which you know is a huge cost, not just to, to business, but to society in general. Or you could take this other route and figure out, well, maybe there's, it's much more about getting on with people, building networks, building relationships, which, by the way, is much more beneficial in the long term. But for the self, I suppose, it was a case of, well, hang on a second, I don't like being this dick. You know, and it was, it was being pointed out to me, left, right, and center by very good, close people to me. Um, and I guess I had to check myself on that. But in terms of the bad habits question, I think, you know, one of the things which I am still working on, I think many of us in the male side of the world, is expressing ourselves when we're in that kind of negative space. And, you know, I use arrogance and, and, and cockiness as a negative thing as well. We either get really, really angry or we go really, really silent. Right, like um, when we're wrong, you mean. <laughs> <laughs> when, when we have stuff going on, we could be stressed for a right reason, mm -hmm. or where somebody has annoyed us. We don't really have this wonderful spectrum of emotions and how to express ourselves. And I think a lot of that, it hasn't been transferred to us. You know, it hasn't been given to us by you know, fathers or role models in our life. So... It's a constant, in terms of the habit question, that's a constant thing I'm trying to figure out. How do I kind of navigate this? You know, they've, done me, you know, they've, they've annoyed me or I've made a mistake here and I have to put my hands up and admit this. And, you know, these are all emotions which are kind of quite new, I think, to a generation of men now. My go-to on all of this uh, kind of root cause, it's quick, it's funny that it's this short amount of time to get to kids, right? Because that is where it begins, where all these patterns start to emerge. And Tina's always my go-to on all of this. And she is, in the past week, we've talked about, you know, what you're seeing in three-year-olds, the three-year-olds that she sees. And I turn to you, Simon, here, uh, raising little men. And she was concerned and present, presented me with the idea that maybe we're seeing born misogynists. Maybe some of these kids are coming in and expressing such misogynistic opinions so early on that you're like, is this innate nearly, or is it just that it's going unchecked? My question to you, Simon, is you must be way more aware, as I am as a dad, that 
oh, when this comes out of his mouth, I need to nip that in the bud. Are you seeing certain things that could potentially be habits and conscious that I've got to get in quick here? Um, no, I haven't. Like, I have four boys, and they range from 13 down to three. So, no, I haven't seen anything like that. My boys went to an Educate Together school, as opposed to myself, who went to an all-boys primary and then into secondary. And I think the teaching is different. And what I mean by that is, they learn how to behave around girls. I, I didn't know how to talk to a girl when I was 16 because I hadn't been with them. Now, I had two sisters, but I ignored them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, like my boys, since the age of four, have sat beside girls in class, mm-hmm. dealt with girls, even up to my 13-year-old now, who's in a community college now, but it's a mixed school. And he has no problem with that. There's no problem. He talks about his friends... You know, it doesn't, there's no thing attached to it anymore. If, like, if I came home and said to my dad, he said, who are you playing with tonight? I said, Alice, and he'd go, huh? It's a story there. You know, yeah, or, or even her? worst, what I would get is, oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Whereas now, girlfriend. Whereas now, that's exactly, you can't have girlfriends. But now, because my boys have been surrounded with them, I hope that they're learning how to behave around women. And the one worry that I have is that my father, God be good to him, tried always to teach us, you know, politeness and manners, you know. Just simple things, saying thank you to a waiter or a waitress or in a shop when they hand you your change. Say just simple things. Mm-hmm. Holding the door open for their grandmother or whatever it is. And I just hope that that doesn't, isn't bet out of them. I don't, want, I don't want them to think that they're in a society now they might have to, where they might think they're, they're going to offend somebody for holding a door open for them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Well, I do want to go to you, Tara, because you, know, you wrote this incredible piece that I found online about the, the nine things that you'd learned about your relationship in the oh last God, what five did years. I say? And it had, <laughs> but it had incredible um, resonance for what we're talking about here because number one was that we're not that different, no. the two the two of us. And when we talk about uh, Simon's saying the girls and they sit beside girls, that in fact, I, I'm nearly bringing my preconceptions to uh, girls being, you know, off on planet holy family across the road from the Patrician brothers, whereas they're, they're not coming to it with, with that. I mean, you're saying that you, you picked that, you realized this late into your relationship. Yeah, well, late into my life. I, I was talking to Tina before the show about how, about and it's something I think is really important to do, examine your own biases. You can't understand bias unless you examine your own. And I was just telling Tina about, so I was in London and I was with my godless son and I was, I was, I was minding him for the night and I was reading to him and I was doing all the voices, you know, voice actor, I was doing all the voices, you know, hooray. And I had never read this story before. And as I turned the page, it says, so the doctor comes in, it's for very smallies. The doctor comes in, hello, little man, how are you feeling? <laughs> Turn the page. She said, and I had just done my gruffest, most sort of manly voice. And I went, oh, you tool, Flynn, you absolute tool. Um, Because our biases are all there. But what I've been trying to look at more, and Simon, coming back to what you're saying is, is to not gender a lot of these things, to call it respect in general. So we don't lose that stuff if you, you hold the door open for me. Great. Hope I'll hold the door open for you, too. So that we're, I love to, that's what I was trying to get across at the top. 
Like playing with those stereotypes is fun. If I want to sit behind my little fan and go, oh, why, sir, well, I do declare. And it's fun and we're all having a good time. That's great. But if I'm not doing that and someone goes, oh, hello, little lady, and I go, I'm sorry, I'm not up for it, then there's, there's equally a boundary that's possible. And I think if we keep up the respect and the listening, we won't go too far wrong, but we have to start with our own bias, that we are all sexist to some degree. But just to pick up on that, Jared, if you don't mind, I think the difference is that when my father was teaching me politeness and manners, it was to hold open a door for a woman. I'm teaching my boys to hold it open for anybody. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't matter. But that's what I mean. To say thank you to, to the waiter or the waitress, it's just social etiquette. Well, this it doesn't is, have to be general. Yeah, and, you know, in, in, in essence, the holding the door open and a lot of the manners that were passed to you were informed by the idea that they're dainty, they're weaker than you. We have little glass hands. Well, this is why, like, you know, we talk, when you say we need to start here and this needs to happen and all that, I mean, I kind of, I feel like sometimes I get stuck in these kind of discussions and then you go out into the real world and you leave the sugar club and you realize, oh, oh right, there's lots of guys who just couldn't give less of a fuck, who are just like, no, I'm not, a, I'm not even going to make the effort. Yeah, but what, what, clearly what, what, are in a business and an industry where the, the top, top guy, the top, top guy gets called out for the worst type of behavior. Are you now seeing every, every man in the film industry down to the, to the researcher uh, or guy on reception trying his damnedest to go the absolute opposite direction of Harvey Weinstein? Or is there still guys in there who just couldn't give a shit either way? If there are, they hide it very well. What I'd say is, I mean, I, mean, I knew Harvey. I, um, our company owned Miramax, so I worked on a lot of Miramax movies, and I worked in international publicity for a long time, so I was on many tours. And the thing that shocked me was the fact that I'd always seen him as an equal opportunities bully. So I was surprised at, uh, let's say, the, the, the prevalence and focus on, on women because I'd seen the abusive behaviour just generally. And, um, and, you know, and, and that was what I was exposed to and what I saw. But I think what's really interesting now is that there has been a swing, a really, really, really kind of extreme swing where people went through a phase, and, and, and you all referred to it a, a little earlier as well, of just being so frozen and so terrified of not knowing how to be, not, not knowing how to be themselves, not knowing how to be at work. Just recently, we, I think it was August, we just read about how there is uh, some research that was done in America, generally, and it was asking men specifically, and they, they measured it against the same research from a year or so ago, as to how they now comport themselves at work in terms of women, in terms of supporting them, mentoring them, etc. Because as we know, there's a great concern now that this swing has meant that men who don't feel equipped to deal with all of the emotional baggage that has come with this and work through it, just don't know how to behave. So what they do is they just you know, mm. clam up and... It has resulted in the States in a very worrying situation where um, women are finding that they're not being mentored and that they're not being supported because men are so frozen about how the hell do I operate in this new world? So that's, I've, I've seen a bit of that. Now that's beginning to level out a bit more in, mm. in terms of my observation and people are beginning to just say, just, just learn, just, just do the work, just, just, you know, get there. Because freezing them out sounds a bit like an action. 
Yes, absolutely. Freezing them out is an action. Yeah. But <laughs> no, know? absolutely. And and that's and and I I've had lads. I absolutely hear what you're saying, Trish. I've had lads come up to me and say, "We don't know how to be now." I said, "Be yourself." Yeah, be yourself. Just yourself. if someone says that makes me uncomfortable, go cool. Thanks for letting me know. You don't have to go. I didn't mean it that way. Just go. Thanks yeah. for letting me know. Yeah. That's it. And what what I am also observing, and I totally agree. And what I am also observing is, and it's wonderful to see, is I'm also seeing people who've worked their way through that a bit and who actually have made the decision similar to your decision about how you wanted to be in the, in the workforce have made the decision to actually proactively support women I've been in meetings where not only do they not talk over the woman they, if they hear somebody else doing it they say sorry you were about to finish something there can, can I hear it and, and I've begun to see that happen in boardrooms and, and, and board meetings mm. so that, that's, that's really encouraging I think you know, uh, Finian, if I can go to you, because the piece that Jennifer Connell wrote about you and your own kids and the approach that you're taking with them, I think is something that all of the audience would find interesting if they haven't already read the piece. Because what essentially it does is it goes underneath everything you've said, Trish, and everything you guys have said, and kind of addresses maybe how the axis of how the Earth spins in terms of creating new humans, goes, you kind of going after it. Yeah, so Jarlath's referring to the gender reveal party we had where we had the spaceship and a massive balloon. <laughs> exactly. No, I, no. You know, they thought you were serious, but uh, no. <laughs> we, when Tom, Tom is three and, and a bit, and Joy was born six weeks ago, and um, the one question that everyone always asks, even when you give the name... Is, is it a boy or a girl? And there's this obsession with gender immediately. Um, with Tom, it was interesting because, you know, it was, it was no major deal. This time around, pink is all over the place, and it's, you know, these vile, toxic pinks that's taking over the room. The piece you mentioned that, that with, with Jennifer, you know, it was never... Uh, myself and Siobhan never sat down and talked about gender neutral. We weren't in that space, but it was very much around... Look, when we, you know, the, the story we tell is when, when we get on the bus and, you know, the little baby is wrapped up and if, you know, if elderly women have a, a tendency to come over and start touching the baby, and, oh, isn't she so cute? And you just nod and smile and thank you very much. It was never an issue for us because as soon as I, you start offering the gender, they begin to uh, project what they think the child should be doing. Yeah, isn't he a little terror? Isn't boys he terror? Boys. Oh, he's going to be so wild. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, he's a Casanova. Oh, she's so cute, so mellow, you know, she, you know. And then actually, there's been a lot of, oh, wait till she grows up, she is going to wreck the place, wreck your head. Yeah. Yeah, or she's a madam. Yeah. Oh, Lord, yeah. what a diva. Yeah. Right? Well, there's there's yeah. two sides to the Straight negative away. point, right? Yeah. yeah. So how, what are you doing actively to address this? Like, how are... Uh, you can't change other people's perceptions, but I think with your own children and those close relationships that you have, I think it's a case of showing both the child and those people like that there's a there's a bread of opportunities for these individuals growing up, and whatever they choose to do in life, it shouldn't be defined by whether or not you know the gender they identify with. Mm. Um, so, so maybe we go to the audience now because. You know, to come loop it all the way back around, I mentioned some behaviors at the start. How many men, by show of hands or maybe by applause, know that they're guilty of those behaviors? 
Okay. Um, now, how many men in the room know that they were guilty of those behaviours, but no longer are involved in them? <laughs> One guy who didn't understand the question. It's, it's a process. It's a process. Yeah. It's, it's a, it is a process. But sometimes I feel like... Myself included, and I just think that the whole Men Behaving Better podcast it has a bang of, oh, this fella thinks he's a great lad, right? But really, this podcast starts with me going, I didn't realize exactly how fucking annoying I am. And I, I put it to my stand-up audiences that if you don't think you're annoying as a man, that's probably the most annoying thing about you. <laughs> that you don't possess enough self-reflection to see the things that you do are upsetting people around you. Simon, you're still wearing the shorts, but you know it annoys your wife. Why are we so reluctant to change? Go on, Simon. <laughs> I'm asking you, so you might be able to tell me, because I'm not changing either. Like, I'm working on it, but I started yeah. a podcast. Well, maybe know. there's levels of annoyance. Okay. You know, I'm sure there are things that I do that annoy Lisa far more than me wearing a pair of shorts <laughs> walking around the house. At least I'm not on my nip. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sure there are other habits. Yeah, not Farting being one of them. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. You know. She hasn't brought it up at a board meeting recently, you know what I mean? But if it was, if it was to annoy her to the point where she's you know, threatening to either kill me or leave the house, I'd slip on a pair of pajamas at that point. You know? Well, here's my concern, right, with my stuff, right, and see if you have the same concern with yours. And Finian, maybe you can chime in here, and it's up to you guys as the women on the panel to see if you'd agree with this, that what... Is put to me, and again, I feel like Tina should just be on the panel. Uh, she, <laughs> that when you and I go, yeah, I know that's a little thing that I do that's annoying, but sure, you know, she's not getting that mad about it. The example we set to our boys is you don't have to actually change, you don't have to do what they say as long as they're not going fucking mad over. I think you're looking into it a bit too much, Charlotte. I, I think I'm looking into it too I much. I think you are, yeah, yeah. Are you serious? I think the issue of me wearing shorts around the house isn't as upsetting. It's clearly upsetting it's, you more than... It's not the shorts. <laughs> but, and Michael Martin. You know, if that is the worst of my habits, I've been married for 15 years and it's been, a, it's been blissful. Okay, does anybody else think I have a point here? Um, I, I hear what you're saying, but it's like I think there's something about in your we there we have to put up with each other at times too, and I agree there are there are degrees. So clearly, uh, Lisa's not as annoyed about the shorts as you are. Um, uh, but the principle <laughs> of the shorts is the frankly, issue. Frankly, I'm I'm dying to see these shorts now. I'm becoming obsessed with them as I sit here. I wish he was wearing them now. Would you ever roll up? I have them on under the jeans. <laughs> Set yourself free, Simon. Like, it's sort of a make yourself at home. I think I I think. Look, we are all guilty of stuff in our homes that that's very hard to change. Like my my husband Carl is here tonight, and I <laughs> I have this thing where I'm like, do I really have to put the clean thing away? Like I'll only be putting it on 
Um, and I know it drives him crazy. I go, I'll do my corner of the room today. And he goes, mm-hmm. And I go, you know, I think we all have our things where we're sort of claiming our space maybe and we have to negotiate whether it's a serious issue worthy of change or not. Let's say we were talking earlier myself and himself about control and about someone putting a boundary on saying you can't ever speak to that person again. Now that would be somewhere where I'd say that would require a big negotiation. I think shorts or a few crumpled clean clothes. Mm. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> No, Jarlath? Well, maybe if I put it this way, there are things that Lisa does that annoy me, and she knows they annoy me, but we're not going to fall out over it. They're just habits. Well, here's, here's, here, I'll put it to this side of the room, and maybe again to the audience. How many men in this room have at some point said, your women are a fucking mystery. You can't, sure, there's no fucking pleasing them. Right? This is a get-out-of-jail card that most Irish men use at some point, that they are the enigma code, and that you're actually wasting your time attempting to address the things that might make her happier because she would be here all day doing that. How many men in this room have entered into that kind of discussion at some point by a round of applause? I, I, I wonder. I wonder about that. Because really, we've all felt, male and female, that you're in a lose-lose situation at times in your putting up with it scenario. That like, there's no winning. Sure, if I put on the, the tracksuit bottom, she wouldn't like them. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying that this stuff that I pulled up at the start, these are all readily fixable things. We're gone right down into gender neutrality when really, make a fucking effort. Right? That the, the core of it is manners, effort, thoughtfulness, empathy. These aren't men versus women things. These are just, as you said, Finian, human things. I, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, also there's social norms and there's group dynamics. And I, I don't see enough of calling it out in terms of simple... Like, you met... the. The things you list there, they are simple. You know, being respectful, giving people an opportunity to speak. You know, we all know, you know, the one in five lad who's going to throw a grenade just to see what everyone else thinks. And, well, we confirm around that thought around, you know, what she's like or what women are like in general. And I don't really see a huge amount of guys calling it out as much as I thought maybe was going to happen today, you know, when this conversation was happening three years ago. And I think a lot of the time is we don't, um, maybe we don't have the confidence or we don't have the kind of tools or ability to say, hang on a second, that's, that's not cool, which is a pretty easy thing to say. But I think sometimes then there's this backlash and we kind of get very defensive and say, well, why is it not cool? You know, mm. you get into this... A very kind of competitive um, argument when often it's just a rational thing that you know that's not an acceptable thing to be yeah and, and, and I guess the reason why I bring up the get out of jail free card is that yeah we can all accept that they are human rational things but then there's the suggestion that one side of this isn't rational right isn't that, isn't that part of all of that is that like the again the diminishing of women into irrational beings who Regardless of what you do, you can't win. I mean... For, for me, I was, I was just thinking there that I differentiate between the 
kind of innate habits that just really annoy me and the ones that are, let's say, more to do with um, lack of caring or lack of... I, I would genuinely differentiate between them in the sense that I actually kind of like the habits that really annoy me in the sense that I sometimes... Give I me some, an example. I'll give you an example. Um, my husband has a habit of wearing every shirt, uh, no matter how gorgeous it is, with the cuffs unbuttoned, even if that means that they sometimes can dip into things or do whatever. And in the early days, that <laughs> I used to look at that and I used to think... What's that about? Because I'm like that around here, around the neck. I can't, I can't stand like having a, a pole of neck or something. Yeah. I feel. And, and I assumed it was something like that. And then I remember not too long ago, I, I looked and there was this shirt and it was open. And I looked and I thought, God, I love him. Yeah. And it was, and it was I realized that the habit that used to annoy me 20 years ago mm. actually for some reason didn't. But really what I differentiate between is whether or not the habits indicate an unwillingness to kind of carry your own portion of the emotional labor. I was at, um, you know, Hannah Gadsby, the, mm-hmm. yeah, she, this amazing, amazing um, activist and, and, and stand-up comedian, performed in Borgatti the night. She just did this amazing piece on emotional labor and the willingness of men to do that and to carry their share of the responsibility for the happiness of either the couple or the family or the, or the whatever. And it really got me thinking. And one of the things that made me realize is I grew up in a, in a council housing estate in Limerick, and I had a very traditional upbringing, went to school, taught by the nuns, etc., etc., etc. But I've got 11 nephews and nieces. My sisters had their first babies at 17, and I helped raise some of them, and they call me M2. And um, then the, the, what I, I'm loving at, at present is seeing those boys who were brought up, in one case, you know, by a, of a man, and uh, in another case, by a very, very kind and nice man, they've just become amazing dads. They chose to go in a different direction. They modeled themselves against, in one case, mm. what they were brought up with. And what I'm finding very um, empowering and very encouraging is seeing men choosing to do that work on themselves, often because they become a a parent, and because they want to be a different type of parent and a very hands-on and very loving. And in some cases, they and other friends have talked to me about how it actually made them look then at how they were being with their wives or partners and how they weren't turning up in the same way. And it made them think a lot about that wanting to be emotionally present. And so to me, I guess I differentiate between the annoying habits which sometimes you after a while begin to find very endearing or some really do annoy you or those that actually indicate you know their way of saying i'm not giving of myself emotionally or willing to do the emotional labor for this relationship so i guess that's it for me you know i think it's it's a really good point i think it's really really well made and i know that a light bulb went off in many men's heads in this room who thought oh there you go actually keep with some of the shit habits because she may just fall in love with those all over again. It certainly went off in my head. And I'm willing to... ask Tina later. Back around to you, Simon, because the point that's raised there about pushing back against the dad you had or the vision of manliness that you had, I know I'm doing that. Like, I know I'm... Any man in this room who's a, a dad knows that you're just like probably my own dad with his father went, well, I'm going to show up more than that guy. I, I, I worry about it because 
<laughs> you know, my parents had a rule of never praise him. That was the rule. Never praise him. Give him a big head. Now fucking look at me. Uh, looking for praise in front of rooms full of strangers, right? <laughs> I am going completely the other direction with Mikey to the point where he puts the pencil down mid-drawing because I've told him it's a work of genius. <laughs> Do you have the same yeah, you, situation? You kind of have to catch yourself. I... You do, yeah. You, you're applauding before the pen has hit the table. You know what I mean? It's, look at that. That's, isn't that brilliant? You do have to... I, I, they, they say you make your mistakes on your first child. So we're on number four now. Um, so I, I think it's got better. Well, I don't know. You'd have to ask them, I suppose. But yeah, you do find yourself trying not to be the, trying not to be the polar opposite. Like, for example, my father never sat with me and did my homework. Never. Never knew whether I was doing it or not. Never checked to find if I was doing it or not. Just, I came in with a school bag at night and went out one in the morning, and once he had the school bag, the presumption was made. But now I find myself, again, the last couple of days, sitting with my 13-year-old, sitting at the table with him doing the homework, to the point where he said, Dad, I can do it. Go on inside and watch something, will you? <laughs> well, you're just choking him. And you can't choke them emotionally either. And that's... That's one of the things you're doing, what you're doing when you're praising. He's opened the door by himself. Look, he's 12. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So well, you, do, yeah. you have that fear of, and you're dead right, of going the opposite way with it. Yeah. I wonder, should we throw it open to the audience? If anybody has a contribution from the audience, we have a roaming mic. But before we get there, because usually people need a little window of notice before... Or otherwise, you get all kinds of shite questions from the audience. So let's be totally honest, we've all been at those podcasts. Um, I just, I, I don't, like, this is a struggle for me from both perspectives because I'm looking at my own laziness. Like, I think that, again, Tina will point out that when young fellas come into schools as toddlers, they're lazy. Like, they're, they're, they're lazier than the girls who are quite honest and diligent and want it done well. And the lads will be much more inclined to go, oh, it's fucking, it's fucking grand. That'll do. But ki- kids Am I co- making a kids gender co- kids uh, copy. bias right there? Kids copy. So, you know, do you like putting the dishes in the dishwasher, Jarrett? Um, you do it. L- hate it. Yeah. yeah. No one really likes it. Unless it's really well organized. <laughs> Well, can kids copy? I mean, kids are like sponges. They soak it up. So whatever behavior they're watching at the home, they're gonna, they, they are... Like, it's, it's almost pathetic. Like, my three-year-old loves doing chores. Like, he puts out, like, a sign to, like, clean the floor and stuff. It's like, come on, play with something. You bought him one of the little yellow things with the slipping mat yeah, on well, it. Yeah, that, yeah. That's Until amazing. Fall. But, yeah. you know, I, I think the more... I just back to the point around, you know, the difference in gener- generations... It's a really exciting time culturally at the moment where it's so much more acceptable to be something other than the provider. You know, the, the, the balance, I mean, okay, there's a problem with, 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 um, with pay, but the balance is so becoming so much more equilibrium in terms of time spent and paid work that there's an opportunity for men to be something else. And actually, you know, with so many companies and organizations now offering flexi work and remote work you are seeing those times where you're getting home so that you can actually see your kid you know read them a story you know there's there's dads that don't have that experience in the past 
So I think culturally it's happening, and part of that is, I'm afraid, you're doing domestic work. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to see it. Let's go to the audience before I uh, get in an argument over I actually do. Do some domestic work, I'll have you now. Uh, Brian Connolly, you've got the mic there. Somebody got their hand up. Brilliant. Hi, what an amazing podcast, and all of your guests, Charlotte, are amazing tonight. Thank um, you. My question is to everyone, but Trish in particular, with the Harvey Weinstein case, for example, and I'm probably the biggest feminist, one of the biggest feminists in the room. <laughs> What's playing on my mind is the women that were in situations where they wanted a career or they, you know, they wanted something and they knew the situation. Is there a case for the ogre that, that was her, is Harvey Weinstein seeing these women throwing themselves at him because of career and, you know, being gorgeous and being flirty, that he took that as a come on, you know, like took that as flirting and, and proceeded with that and, as we know, went way too far with it. But, like, is, is there some case f for his position? And I know that's extremely controversial, I'm furious at, at the whole situation, but I'd love to know what you think about that f from your perspective. I think um, it's a really brave point because it does it, it does it right. It does it access the reality of the industry, which is such that for decades that approach has worked on weak men with power. Is that is that essentially the point, Emily? Well, obviously, the, the business, the term casting couch um, is a term that everybody would know. So that, that type of behavior has been around forever for as long as the industry has. With regard to, to your question, I, I think one has to differentiate between people who use power and people who abuse power. And, you know, it, it can happen with either gender. I've been in situations with women that have been incredibly difficult emotionally, emotionally psychologically and, and sometimes you know, in, in other ways. I don't think anybody would, and I know that you weren't trying to, excuse what we know was um, inexcusable behavior by the, the, the person that you named. I'm sure that there are women and men who have chosen at various times to trade, be it affection, be it sex, be it, be it other things, on the assumption or belief or have been led to believe that something was, 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 was uh, um, you know, on offer. Only they can judge whether, you know, I mean, if, if you're not in the room, you, you really are not in that room. And um, only they can make, make that judgment. But what I would say is that it's very, very hard to understand a situation where if somebody obviously has a huge amount of power and control, how there could be any level playing pitch there or any, you know, genuine decision or interaction. That's what I would, I would say about that. Um, could I just pop in? I thought you answered that beautifully, Trish. Um, I, I think there's, there, we have to really be clear on differentiating between 
a consensual, perha- a consensual perhaps a trade that someone decides to make might not be what you or I would do, but that someone has, has decided to do with a powerful person or sexual assault, uh, which is a crime. And uh, I think that when people aren't even getting repercussions for actual crimes, we're still looking at a situation where people aren't believed. And the problem is these, these very powerful people and even closer to home, they're very charming and people don't want to believe it very often. So it makes it very hard to speak out. And I think just if we can in our heads keep in mind, some people do trade it and you're right, but then there are assaults that happen with the same people and then the person is often not believed because of charm or power or or money Mm. and we need to believe them it's hard to top that question I think we should have a round of applause for Emily in that question (laughs) because without going any further into it it, like I, I I don't know if I even understood the question to begin with and then I was like yeah, no, probably there were actresses that tried to manipulate him too. But then there's part of me that goes, but fucking so what? Yeah. So what? He had the absolute balance of power. So even if they did that, big fucking deal. You know, you're the one on top here. And he could end any of these actresses if he chose to. And he did. Now, uh, Simon, you've spent time in L.A., have you spent time since since all of this went down? And have you noticed a change in the habits of the men there? Yeah, I, I found that the, that the makeup of the industry is certainly changing in terms of a lot of the vice presidents of casting now are women. A lot of the senior producers are women. I did The Good Wife, which had, for a start, it had a female-led cast. The writer uh, was a... Robert and Michelle King, a husband and wife team, the producers were women. There's definitely a change in terms of, you know, visually, you know, in, in terms of the top end of, of people who are the movie makers. Absolutely. There's more women there. There's more women writers. There's more women directors. There's certainly, in terms of what the film business would probably describe as the more important bit, the money end of it, raising the money, there seem to be more power brokers now who are, who are women, okay. which is different in the last 10 years. Well, let me ask the audience this in terms of bad male habits that I uh, witness, and it probably is a re- since all of this went down, and that is in the safety and the confines of just the lads talking. You can make some pretty gross jokes about me too. How many fellas in this room... I'm not asking you if you made them, but how many of you have been in those conversations where somebody has said something properly inappropriate just because it's just the boys talking here. It's just a bit of locker room talk. Let's have a clap from those fellas who've been there for that. (laughs) I think if we're going to change one fucking habit tonight, it should be as a room, lads, that we call out that one when it happens and just go, enough of that shit, right? In terms of every other habit that we've discussed here, I think we've, we've gotten to an awful lot of them. Yeah, keep and your shorts on. Tonight. Yeah, keep the shorts on. Stay with the shorts. Maybe, I don't know, maybe a Hawaiian shirt with it. Something smart. I don't know. But, uh, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Can I have a round of applause for our guests? Simon Delaney, Tara Flynn, Trish Long, Finian Murphy, 
That is Men Behaving Better. Thank you so much, everybody. Good night. So there you have it. Episode 1, Season 2, in the can. I want to hear from you. If you would get in contact with the show, I want your input. I want you part of this discussion as the listeners to this show. Irishmenabroadpodcast at gmail.com is the quickest way to get me. You'll also get me on Twitter at Jarleth. I want to hear from you what you make of this episode and what you'd like to hear throughout the rest of the series. If we're addressing things on the smallest level, what are the things that you'd like to hear? I have a range of guests lined up for our next ones and we're going to do a lot of one-to-one episodes from this point forward. So please, who would you like on the show? Get in touch with your feedback. I need to hear it from you. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to rate, comment, subscribe and pass it on to someone else who might like it too. But once again, thanks to Finian, Trish, Tara and Simon, to Sugar Club, Brian Connolly for his production, Tina and Mikey for making it all possible, Brent Berry at Aiken Promotions, and of course you guys for listening. I will see you next time for another episode of Men Behaving Better. Interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin from our On The Spot Passport. Oh my gosh, the music just turns me on. Inside my hand, so I dig into my pocket, all my money spent. So I get deep up, still coming up with lint. So I start my mission, leave my residence, thinking how could I get some dead presidents? I need money. I used to be a stick up kid, so I think of all the devious things I did. I used to roll up, roll up, roll up. I used to roll up, roll up. Roll up.